I'm a physician from Pakistan, has been here in the United States for the last 27 years. I started doing my boards and uh, nothing I did in my life was ever planned. I accidentally got them into surgical assisting while I was doing my master's in public health. Then I did my doctorate in public health. So it continued to progress. And while I was doing this, I also developed a group with over 100 people and would turn out to be uh, doing a great business. So I graduated in 2018. During this time, I had already developed my group and it just, things started, you know, coming into the right place at the right time. And we have a large network in multiple cities of Texas and we intend to grow outside as well. So we're out there to do a good job and take care of the people. So I run a residency program. It's a Texas first all specialty included specialty program, PA residency program in the surgery. So I'm the program director and I have almost 10, 12 PAs right now, but we're growing in number. So we're doing a great job. Hi, and welcome to Where the White Coats Come Off podcast. We are Katie and Beth, PAs and doctors of medical science who are here to help you get accepted into PA school, get through PA school, and then have a thriving career as a PA. So if you are a pre-PA, a PA student, or a physician assistant, then you are in the right place. We are so happy you are here and so excited for your future. Before we get started, here's a few housekeeping items. First, we want to tell you about something we are doing that we have never done before and we know is going to be so incredibly valuable to you. We have an application to acceptance course that shows you exactly how to create your most competitive application, and it's a game changer for helping you get into PA school. But here's what we are doing. When you sign up for our application to acceptance course, we are going to go through every single piece with you every week. So not only do you get the course, but you get us every week to help you personally create your strongest CASPA application. We help you get your personal statement done and make sure it's epic, help create your strongest CASPA experience descriptions and everything in between so that you are ready to submit when CASPA opens and not just submit, but submit with confidence in your most competitive application so you can land interviews. Let's get you into PA school. Sign up in the show notes. Now on to today's episode. Thank you so much for coming on to our podcast, Where the White Coats Come Off. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what you do now? Okay. My name is Mubashir Chaudhary. Currently, I'm holding PhD in public health, and I had accomplished master's in public health as well during my early years, and I've been in the United States for the last uh, 27 years. When I came, I'm a physician from Pakistan. I had the desire to, like anybody else, um, to accomplish my boards and circumstances, hardships, you know, didn't allow me to because there was probably a path set already. So I started assisting while I was working for a lot of public health projects in Houston Health Science Center in School of Public Health. I was graduate research assistant on multiple of them and also then I was a project manager at Baylor College of Medicine on one of the health nutrition project for the children. And that's where I did my thesis uh, in master's program, the use of the vitamins in school-going children and how the food and diet can nourish them. And so after I did a research, my independent research that I conducted in my doctorate program, which compared the lapcolis, which is a cholecystectomy, laparoscopically done versus open versus robotic. So I was really against the robotic ideas because uh, a robot take a lot of time. But when we did 
the analysis, the National Inpatient Sample Database, we found out that there are a lot of benefit to robotic surgery. So if it takes longer, there's a quick recovery and the safety was sky high. So numbers wise, I had six years data from national inpatient uh, throughout the United States. So those were millions and millions of records. But if you see that record, you know, there may not be too many of the numbers favoring the other surgeries open versus laparoscopic, but more of them were favoring the robotic. So while I was assisting in different specialties of surgeries, I always come across different ideas, thoughts, you know, and I never realized that my thinking process would ever evolve into entrepreneur side. So I continue to explore, and this is why I have today a PA program, residency program under Universal Surgical Umbrella. And we have a lot of PAs working for us and with us, I would always say, and they are mainly you know, learning different specialties. They are in orthopedic, they are in, you know, general surgery, they are in covering almost every specialty, cardiothoracic as well. So it turned out to be a great program that we developed and we like to expand it to nationwide. And all these PAs, they were fresh graduates. And I chose fresh graduates over the others because it's a lot more easier to mold a fresh physician assistant because they are eager to learn. And they only come for two reasons in in our program. One is the learning. And that shows through our program that, you know, we're all about learning. And I am, since I'm also, my father was a professor of biology as well. So I'm from a teaching family. So I like to teach people and that's what I'm passionate about. So it turned out to be a great thing, you know, that we did win-win situation by giving them employment at the same time you know, and also doing a residency program for that. Well, that's fantastic. Can you tell us a little bit more about this residency program? How is it structured? What can students who apply to it expect? And then if anybody's interested, any of our listeners are interested, how can they actually get in touch and apply for this residency program? Sure. So it's very simple. They will apply just like any applicant would apply for a new job. But during the interview process, we screen them. Like me and my team, my corporate compliance manager, our clinical you know, instructor, also um, our vice president, she's also a nurse by training. So they come across, we do a video meeting to begin with, and then we do the second interview in person. So the only people who reach to the second interview in person, they're, they're passed through the first screening process. And then we have a sort of board sitting, you know, deciding that, okay, this person is genuine in terms of their, you know, need and want to do the surgery. Because, you know, a lot of people will come and they will say, yes, I need a job. I'm very passionate about surgery. But after my almost all life into this field, and especially involved with the surgery, I can tell, plus my other team members can tell, who's really passionate about surgery. Who's really surgery material? Who's coming out genuine, you know? And who's out there to make an effort? And some examples happened in the past that we thought that, you know, they are surgery material. I mean, we're not perfect. And they turned out to be within six months, they said, well, we're not born to work. So because surgery is demanding, it's requiring your effort 24-7. You know? I mean, obviously not really 24-7, but I mean, there's on call, just like physicians are very busy, you know, so they may be going home like 6 or 7 p.m. 
but it really pays well in terms of the training and also the key element and factor that i explain to everyone is that say for example you're a physician assistant and you go and become a physician assistant in psychiatry so for example so if you did two or three years of psych nobody will ever take you in surgery never because your base and foundation is built on the psych grounds you know or internal medicine or family practice or derm whichever way you go so when you go into the surgery that's when it's a guaranteed thing once you learn surgery spend 2 3 years after that you can choose any specialty you like and they will take you with smile why because you learned the best you know and competitive field out there and you also passively learn the psych part of it as well the derm part of it as well because you know we're going to talk about pre op and post op and the structure of the in your next few questions you know and then you will realize that how important it is for pas to learn surgery first so what are some common qualities of the students that you accept and do you have any advice for newly graduated pas my advice to newly graduate pas is that they should all consider doing surgery at some point if not right away even though they want to do like year or six months rotation somewhere because what they are taught into pa school is not enough this is one month of rotation that doesn't get you anywhere even if it is two or three months they don't let you touch the patient unless you have privileges in a hospital you will not be able to really assess the patient be in a care program or part of the care program here the common qualities is detail oriented competitive really passionate about surgery because you know surgery is uh, a very challenging field and trust me when you close the body and walk out of the operating room i've i've known this feeling for many many years decades rather i should say that you feel great that you did something extraordinary for a patient yeah given somebody a medicine as a pa okay you take this and do this antibiotic course for a few days for your flu or whatever is fine and dandy but i think the practical the sewing and the stitching and making the skin look like nothing ever happened there i mean you to bring in the best skills outside so all our pas and there's so many also pas who want to get into the surgery I mean we have limitations obviously I mean I can't hire a gazillion of the people right so last year we hired so many and I plan to start advertising right now and to hire more people so I'm I'm ready to hire like at least 15 people in the surgery next year because there's so much demand out there the more surgeons are learning and we'll I'll explain to that in that contest as well that how it benefits the patient how it benefits the uh, surgeon and the facility and the pa and the corporate office that we're involved as a entity that is committed to teaching so and there are resources that we know the new grads and even if pas are into their practice for 5 or 10 years some of them still don't know those resources that are out there to learn so we are out there to you know teach these while everybody gets benefit of working together in that so those are the basic qualities that one should ask themselves am i committed to surgery am i passionate about it 
Uh, am I detail oriented? Am I up for a challenge? Yeah, no, I, I might be a little biased, but I was a surgical PA and I actually did a postgraduate fellowship as well. So I love the fact that you're so passionate about it. And then I think that it is an amazing career and it does have a lot of reward to it. I always said, like, I fix people. I worked in orthopedics. And so you come in, you know, with a broken bone or you come in with arthritis and, you know, you walk out of surgery. Obviously, you have to recover, but we would fix people. And that was really, really rewarding for me. And you do do some management, uh, but it's mostly you can intervene, uh, which I felt as a PA was very rewarding because everybody can get a shot, a cast, therapy. There's something that we can do to, to help almost everybody at our clinic. So I definitely agree with you there. To uh, kind of pivot a little bit, I know you're the founder of the Universal Surgical Partners, but you also make headlines about your charitable donations. So how did you get um, all this started and what inspires you to do this charitable work? A great question. My mother was once in a situation where she didn't have the insurance covering her you know, all these um, annual exams and everything. So she ended up in ICU New York for 21 days. So I used to assist in surgeries heavily during that time and as a surgical assistant. And I was always like, while I'm assisting, you know, you know, sometimes you're in deep talks and everything. So I was always, you know, worried about my mother. I flew there twice. And so I realized that if she had insurance, probably, probably she would not face this day today. So that got me started thinking on that. And then I realized that, you know, there are so many people out there. So I opened this patient benefit foundation, nonprofit entity in 2014. But in 2016 or 17, somewhere around that time frame, I came across a YouTube video of Dr. Daniel Martin. And, I, and I'm happy to share that link with you as well. So she testified, she's from Canada. So she testified in the House of Representatives in Congress in favor of uh, one payer system. And also she pointed out that there are 45,000 people die in the United States every year, according to a study, because of lack of elective surgery resource. And then I found out that my mother fitted that criteria at that time in 2014 or 13 very well. So then I started thinking, okay, why not I should help those people? So in 14, I opened the organization. Then I came across the video. So if you go on our link of uh, pbfusa.org, or some of the videos are obviously on my website as well. So you will see that, you know, we change many, many people's lives, you know, during these years. And my mother and I donated heavily to start this organization. And now a lot of people participate into, you know, that to promote this, be the word of mouth. And, and so the way it works is our surgeons don't charge any money. And obviously I don't charge any money. I don't, I don't take any salary or anything from the organization. And then hospitals, you know, they drop down their bills for us to pay cash, 70 to 80%. So every surgery costs us like between five to ten thousand dollars. And you can imagine that those surgeries are 50, 60, 70 grand. So then we don't do cosmetic, but obviously that's not something that should cover on this uh, non-profit platform. So we provide, you know, all those mastectomies because of the cancer, you know, the hernias, the gallbladders, you know and fractures and i mean a lot of surgeries that we do of different specialties for everybody within the united states we are not taking this program outside the united states 
I think I owe to this country. I mean, this is the best country on the face of the earth. Yeah, I owe to my country as well. But I think I have helped many Pakistani patients as well over here, but it's not primarily geared towards any country in Pacific or ethnic background. It's for everyone. That is such a powerful story, and thank you for sharing that with us. Just the goals of your foundation are incredible and so, so needed. You know, that's a huge, huge problem in this country, and you meet, I'm sure, thousands of patients' needs when it comes to that. What are the future goals for Patient Benefit Foundation? So I'm speaking to a few people in different states. I think I, my reach need to be out there. And I would uh, request you guys as well to help us because not all the time you have to give your money to a nonprofit organization because when people talk about a nonprofit organization, they kind of sure come to that point where they're sure that the next question would be, can you donate? You know, so, and that is true, but donation could be your valuable time, your valuable resource. If you really see those videos, trust me, when I saw those videos of, of those patients, which I have never met, but my staff was taking care of them, I had tears in my eyes. It, it touches me. So if you change one person's life, you know, that means you change humanity. So that's a trend that we need to start. So if you guys can help us with any connections, with any organization who can spread our word out there, I'm not shooting for money. I'm not going after money that gave me the money. And then, no, we need to expand our program based on people's needs. Yeah. And then I think people will come along. And if God has made me able to create this organization, I've, I've done well for this organization. I think there will be in future prospects where big organizations and people, rich people and wealthy people will come in to donate as well. So I'm not worried about that at this point, you know, because we have sufficient resources and funding to continue, you know, without seeking any financial help. But eventually, you know, obviously I can't take care of the whole United States, 45,000 or 100,000 patients every year myself. But we, we need to, you know, reach out. We're looking for those patients. So if your platform can help us, uh, if you know somebody in California, Los Angeles, wherever, I mean, Florida, you know, wherever people I can reach and expand this to, you know, that's what my goal is. Yeah, and so for all you listeners, if you're interested in learning more or getting involved, we are going to include the link to this in the show notes. So definitely help spread the word and help spread the need uh, to everybody in our country might be need of the services. So we'll put we'll those links below. Okay, and so I, I think it'd be remiss if we don't at least touch on this book that you're offering called Pursuing America. Can you give us a little bit of background on that? Sure. So um, let me actually, if you allow me, I want to read the subtitle, and I don't want to read it wrong, but you will be actually amazed to see uh, what it says. So Pursuing America is the title, and but the subtitle is A Suspenseful Immigrant Story of Resilience, Transformation, and Achievement. Powerful. So it's self-explanatory that I had to be resilient. I was transformed as an American, and I achieved. So why suspenseful? When you will read the book, I'll sign it for both of you. <laughs> uh, and you will be amazed to see that, how a third world is connected with the first world, uh, what an immigrant goes through, and 
what their thinking process is. Mine, I still think that uh, is a lot different from a lot of my fellow countrymen from Pakistan because I, I, I was at the age of three and a half year old and I was watching like English movies and stuff like that back home. And I'm, I had this passion, you know, for the language, for the culture and, you know, and for a crave and thirst for the education that I came over here. And I'm glad I did that because if I could not do my MD, you know, at least I did state-of-the-art education uh, in terms of the research and public health. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that your journey. And again, listeners, you can find a link to that in the show notes below. And just out of curiosity, what was one of the hardest things about transitioning to America for you? The hardest thing was working and studying at the same time together. I mean, because back in our culture, you know, the one head of the family works and the rest of the people in the family study. Uh, moms are usually housemakers. Uh, not anymore. I mean, the world has changed. I mean, I'm talking about 30 years back. So uh, nowadays it's totally different. But back in days, you know, I had good environment. I studied well, became doctor, practiced medicine, you know, for six years before I came here. But when I came here, then you have to study. At the same time, there's no excuse of either. Like, you cannot bring the bread on the table. And uh, there's no excuse that you cannot study while you're working. You know, So it works uh, hands in hand. But one thing I want to give uh, a little piece of advice or maybe my experience uh, that I want to share with everyone, that I kept a good relationship with all my previous employers. And most of them, I got connected with them at the time of my graduation. And I flew them from different cities to Houston, and we had a big party. So what helps is that when you're connected with your previous employers, it turns out to be a great thing because you never know how it is helping you. So a lot of people maybe don't believe in, you know, okay, I left this job and I don't need them. No. But if you keep your track on a good note, leave, if you have to leave on a, uh, from a one platform and go to another working platform, I think it helps you if you're connected with the previous one as well. You don't have to do much. You know, you have to be just in a good faith and good intentions and everything. It has helped me beyond anyone's imagination. My transformation, I am super privileged to see that, you know, I'm part of this society and I'm part of this country and I'm, imagine I'm writing a book. So, so I'm very passionate about this book and, you know, this will enlighten an average reader. Of course, it'll have the audiobooks as well and uh, it'll have all the possible ways to, for the readers to go through. Well, again, thank you so much for that. And you shared a lot about your background, a lot of your work with surgical physician assistants, a lot of your work with benefits, and of course, the book you're writing. But who is Dr. Chandri when the white coat comes off? I am a creative person, and I love movies. And I am actually, you know, in a planning phase of into creating or developing a film on my life story, which would be related to my book as well. And if I can make for the rest of my life two things going uh, practical and positively impacting other lives, 
So I would be doing filmmaking. I would be doing Patient Benefit Foundation. Excellent. That's pretty mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah, you have a lot of varied interests. I love that. There are a lot of things in the pipeline, but these are my two passionate things that are very close to my heart. That's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And again, listeners, we will put all these links in the show notes. And thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. Pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to Where the White Coats Come Off. We are so happy you are here and so excited for all that your future holds as a PA. Before you leave, go to the show notes and download your free map to PA school. There are so many hoops to jump through and things to accomplish to even be able to apply to PA school, and it can be so overwhelming and confusing. So we created a map to PA school checklist that will tell you exactly what you need to do and when to do it, taking you from freshman year all the way to PA school. And don't worry, if you are already a few years in, you can totally catch up. The link to get your free checklist is in the show notes, so jump on it and get started. The sooner you start, the sooner you begin your dream career. We'll catch you at the next episode.